Hello and welcome to the week one edition of the quote-unquote expert quote-unquote roundtable aka the square table. This is a uh, monumentous occasion I think because we're no longer on our good friend site the Roto-Grinders. We are now on our favorite hippie site. Yes, he's back from Tibet. He canoed across the ocean. He's connected to the internet by hemp. He's gone full socialist with his price tag, which we'll talk about in a second. JM, JM to win has started his own website. And that's where we are tonight. JM, how does it feel to go full capitalist greed and have your own business? You had a full year and that was, those are the best jokes. That's like the same jokes from last year. <laughs> changed nothing. You know what? I was going to go, with a, a go with a patchouli one, but it didn't feel right. You know, I, I, I'll work on it. I promise I'll be better. I, I have something good for you. I have good material. I, I tweeted this earlier. Uh, I don't know if you saw this in my tweet, Adam, but you know where I was this afternoon? The uh, cat acupuncturist with my cat. So you can uh, hold on to that for. We're done that with Jerry, acupuncture. <laughs> I went in a couple of weeks ago and they charged like six hundred bucks at the vet and did nothing to uh, make her better. So I was like, why not spend another three hundred for the acupuncturist? That's where I'm at in life. Oh my god, they're out of here. So they stuck your cat with needles? Uh, they do it with a laser, apparently. So I don't know. So that, you know, Portland's moving away from the hippie thing. We're going full, uh, it's like full technology right there. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I read an article that Portland is no longer like the hippie spot because it got like expensive because everybody wanted to live there and be part of the culture. Yeah, that's why I started the website. I was trying to... Uh, let's let's get to the business at hand, though. I mean, the the... Uh, I mean, the price of this thing, you dedicate your life to this, you put in zillions of hours, uh, and then you turn around and you sell it for $39, not for a month, but $39 for, for the entire season. Uh, I mean, you know, I I've, I've been shocked how many people have like come on and, and ask questions, like deep questions about, do I get this and this on the site, like deciding if they want to spend it. 39 bucks. There you go. I mean, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to, you know, be hashtag how rich, but like a, a nice, a nice lunch for me is $40. You know what I mean? A nice, a nice little Wednesday, a nice little Wednesday, nice little Wednesday afternoon. You know what I mean? I do what I can, man. I'm a man of the people, I guess. Uh, price is going up in about a week, September 16th, kickoff week two. We're going up to 59, but we still got a week left for people to uh, get in at 39. Uh, I also made the mistake of everyone who subscribes at 39 gets to renew at 39 for life. So <laughs> anyone who jumps in the next week, you are taking extreme advantage of me for as long as you want. That's what I'm here for. That's, okay. my, uh, that's my place in this industry. All right. Unbelievable. Anyways, what, what the main thing you get for the for the 39 is James ridiculous article, which I purposefully have not read yet because I wanted to come in and hear the takes fresh because uh, you guys know that JM has uh, unique takes uh, that you won't usually find outside the industry because uh, he does his own work and thinks outside the box a little bit. So I'm here for the fresh takes, JM. Uh, are you ready to get into the slate? If you are, tell me what you think about this week one slate. So you and I have talked about this a little bit about how much value there is and what this is going to mean for the type of score we have to get, we have to put up. So I've seen a lot of people asking questions about iffy value plays or some really low floor, high upside, higher priced guys. I think that we both agree that the way to go this week is you got to take some of that floor, right? I mean, there's just no way to win this week with 150 points or something like that. Um, this is definitely a week to try to target as much upside as possible. I'm trying to look for as many spiked weeks as I can fit onto a single roster, uh, which means guys who can get you 30 plus points. I think they can get 15 to combine that with a bunch of guys who must, then you'll put yourself in good position for some more. If you're Adam to just crush Ash 
games uh, and then complain about how tourneys are for donkeys. Um, my opinion on the slate is this. Uh, there's so many good plays that uh, f- even for like, you know, reasonably competent uh, people, it's going to be hard to mess up the roster. But we'll go through and we'll talk about some plays that we think uh, might be mistakes. Uh, keep in mind, we will be talking about uh, DraftKings scoring full PPR, obviously. Um, let's start with the quarterback position. We are going to go position by position, by the way. Uh, let's start with the quarterback position. Uh, and also, uh, one note on the weather. I know, I'm well aware of the weather situation. Everybody's been hysterically uh, tweeting it at me and JM. Uh, we're aware that there could be bad weather in Cleveland. I think for now we should just talk about it uh, as if it's going to be uh, okay because we see how quickly weather changes. Uh, so for me, at least, the cheapest quarterback that I thought was in play for me um, was Tyrod Taylor at 5,400. Um I think Tyrod Taylor against the kind of events that the Steelers play has success. I think his rushing floor um, is not built into the price. And I also think that Josh Gordon is going to play maybe more than people think. And once you count in Josh Gordon with David Njoku, with Duke Johnson, with Carlos Hyde Cable in the past game, with Jarvis Landry, I mean, this is the best weapons that Tyrod Taylor has had. Uh, So I thought Tyrod Taylor was pretty strong at 5,400 and probably about as cheap as I would feel comfortable going. Do you feel good about anybody below Tyrod Taylor? I don't feel good about anyone below Tyrod. I could see going to Case Keenum at 5,100 in a large field tournament, but that's not a guy who I am highlighting or targeting. I'm actually not that interested in Tyrod Taylor either. Uh, Even before the weather, I have a ton of respect for this Pittsburgh pass defense. I know that they were less good after Ryan Shazier left uh, last year or got injured last year. Uh, obviously, that pumps up Tyrod's rushing upside. But this pass defense was just top five in just about everything last year. It's not a pass defense I want to pick on on a week with uh, so much upside. So if I'm going to take Tyrod at 5,400 and there's so much value, I'd rather go up to – I mean, this is obvious to say, but I'd rather go up to Deshaun Watson at 67 just because I think we can get there. Um so I like your point on the Tyrod play in the NFL edge. I broke down some uh, counterpoints to Tyrod Taylor, which, by the way, for anyone who just watches this show and is not familiar with my article, uh, we have made it completely free this week. It breaks down every game from top to bottom. So uh, feel free to dig into some of my thoughts on there as well. The next guy up for me is actually uh, Alex Smith, and then probably a guy you like is Andy Dalton. I think that both guys are in play this week. Obviously, the Cardinals are changing their defense, leaving Patrick Peterson on one side of the field. Jameson Crowder is the best receiver in Washington, works from the slot. Uh, Jordan Reed's healthy right now. So that's a lot to like about Alex Smith's floor. I like him a lot in cash games. And then um, Andy Dalton, I mean, that's just such a smash spot against Indianapolis. Uh, Any thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, the main reason for me not to play Tyrod is you only need 400 more to get to Andy Dalton. You only need... Uh, a thousand more to get to somebody like Philip Rivers. But yeah, on Andy Dalton, I mean, think about what he has at his disposal. Healthy Tyler, healthy Tyler Eifert. John Ross, I think, showed signs of turning a corner in the preseason. Obviously, AJ Green, 30 years old now, but I think, think still pretty firmly in his prime. Uh, add in Joe Mixon, who lined up as a wide receiver at times in the preseason. Add in Gio Bernard, Tyler Boyd in the slot. And then, you know, it's like, I like when you're indoors. I like when you're playing out of division. And, that, and Andy Dalton checks both those boxes. And then also this, I mean, this Colts defense is just, man, I mean, their secondary is just like journeyman, 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 journeyman. Uh, they have no pass rush. Uh, Bengals upgraded their offensive line in the offseason with Billy Price, with Cordy Glenn. So uh, it's hard for me to see Andy Dalton failing here. Unfortunately, I believe that um, a lot of people are on Andy Dalton now. And, and you know, that's crazy to say, but uh, I've been gradually ri- raising Andy Dalton's ownership projection. And man, I'm afraid he's going to be like 8 or 9% now, which may not sound like a lot, but for a quarterback, that's actually uh, pretty high. Most quarterbacks, you know, come in uh, way lower, except for the very top ones. So, um, yeah, I still like Andy Dalton a lot. I don't know if I'm going to end up there. or It's either, for me, um, I'm likely to either play Breeze, Rivers, or Andy Dalton. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure you have other guys in between Dalton and Rivers that you want to talk about. Yeah, I'm not on Rivers at all, and we can get to that in a second. Um, Blake Bortles is another guy who I think has a lot of upside in tournaments. I highlighted in the NFL Edge this week that Bortles 
uh, threw more passes last year than the Texans or the Rams. I know we freak out about volume on Bortles, but they finished 21st in pass attempts. Their defense is so good. They run so many plays on offense. It's really not a concern for me. Um, I'm not going to have Keelan Cole or D.D. Westbrook exposure on my main team, so that would be a way to get that if I went that direction. Uh, and then um, Breeze, Brady, and Deshaun Watson. I, I think I, at first I liked Watson the most out of those guys. When I'm starting to lean toward Breeze, I think that these roster decisions for the Saints are really pointing toward them. Turning this into a passing week, um, they're going to lean on Michael Thomas, lean on Kamara through the air. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Breeze. Typically, we like those rushing quarterbacks at the high end. We really want to target these these smash spots, these spiked weeks where you can get 30, 35 points. But uh, Breeze at 25 to 28 points is probably going to be the best you're going to get up there. There are still question marks on Watson and Brady in that matchup. Yeah, I mean – Tampa has been adamant that their goal is to stop the run uh, on defense. And their, their personnel reflects that they lost Brent Grimes today to an injury, their top corner. I mean, everything is lining up for Drew Brees uh, to have a lot of pass attempts and put up a lot of yards, especially considering Alvin Kamara will be their main back, who, uh, let's be honest, is more of a passing back than, say, uh, Mark Ingram would be. Uh, so, yeah, I really like Drew Brees a lot. Tell, tell me about Rivers, though. I, I'm shocked that you're not on Phillip Rivers. Is it? Yeah, let, me say, let me say, let me, let me guess why you're going to say. Uh, Bob Sutton has owned Philip Rivers in the past. Well, it's not just that. Yeah, I mean, Bob Sutton has, but the reasons why, everything in the Chiefs' defense, they think they still have a good pass rush. So everything in the Chiefs' defense is designed to take away short passes and force the ball deep because they think they have a good pass rush. They don't anymore. So team just, you know, take over with deep passes. Keenan Allen's dot is like everything's under 10 yards. Uh, his highest average depth of target, according to airyards.com, is under five yards downfield. Um, so if we break down the poor games he had last year, you remember he wasn't lined up against Marcus Peters for most of the time. Uh, last year, same thing. I did not like Keenan Allen in either of those games. Um, so it's not just a historical data thing. It's actually just the way that the Chiefs play defense. Doesn't line up as well for Keenan Allen or what Phillip Rivers wants to do. I'm fine going there, but with how much excitement there is on it, there's other guys I like more. I mean, we'll get to it at wide receiver, but Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, I like all three guys more than Keenan Allen, and that has nothing to do with ownership. So if Keenan Allen's going to be 30% owned, I'm just not going there. Um, if I'm wrong this week, that's fine, but there's enough data points to back that up that um, I'm going to be staying away. Same thing with Phillip Rivers. I just don't think um, – I think it's a little more risk than – it appears at first glance and he could certainly have a good game, but he's not a guy that I'm taking that risk on. I'd rather go Dalton. I'd rather go breeze than Phillip rivers. Did I convince you or is rivers still your guy? Yeah. Uh, it's one thing about scheme, but can they execute on this scheme with the personnel that they have? I mean, we're talking about uh, guys literally just showing up to play defensive back for the chiefs right now, like showing up this week within the last two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. And Eric Berry is likely to miss now, which obviously helps Antonio Gates, helps more on the deep balls. I like Tyrell Williams as a pivot in tournaments off of all this ownership mm -hmm. on Keenan Allen. Um, so, yeah, again, I'm fine with Rivers. Um, as I laid out in NFL Edge, look, Keenan Allen is so talented and this Chiefs secondary lacks so much talent. He could easily smash, but there's just better spots to me. Uh, same thing goes for me with Philip Rivers. Uh, one guy we didn't mention that's on my list is Cam Newton. Um, I think the Panthers are just going to play well here, and I know uh, Sean Lee being active for Dallas makes a huge difference. Um, but I think the Panthers are going to play well, and the Panthers play well. Uh, Cam Newton is typically heavily involved. I think they have upgraded on the weapons with DJ Moore, with Christian McCaffrey, uh, playing a lot more with a healthy Greg Olson. Um, I don't think I would go to Cam Newton in cash, but what do you think about Cam Newton? In tournaments haven't heard a lot of people talking about him yeah i was looking at him today do you think it's fine to say that cam newton's in play in literally any week i mean that's that's kind of where i'm at um i don't like the matchup just because cam is so vertical minded and north turner is taking over as the oc he's so vertical minded and dallas does everything they can to take away the deep balls and just give up yards underneath uh obviously we have cam's legs his touchdown upside with his legs but the matchup doesn't set up super well for him. So he's not really on my list, quote unquote, but I'll probably take some shots with him in the Millie Maker just because 
who else can put up 30 plus points. I think Russell Wilson's in the same bucket there. Dude's going to run the ball. He's going to take some deep shots. We don't know who to pair him with. Everybody's hurt or bad, but uh, I think you could go Russ at 6,200 in large field turnies. Uh, let's talk about Deshaun Watson versus Tom Brady in the same game. Um, my first instinct is Brady just because Deshaun Watson had such a massive outlier season last year, and I think there will be uh, some regression this year. Will Fuller is questionable with a hamstring injury, I should note. Uh, but obviously Deshaun Watson um, – was consistently great for if you can say call consistent for like five games last year just outrageous outrageous numbers uh rushing who do you prefer between deshaun watson and and tom brady in that game i prefer deshaun watson just because of the rushing uh patriots boosted quarterback scoring by almost 15 percent on DraftKings last year over 15 percent on FanDuel. Um, they give up so many yards between the 20s. We do know that scoring against the Patriots is difficult. They finished, I, I think, 30th last year in yards allowed per game and fifth in points allowed per game. I mean, that's absurd. But uh, the yardage is going to be there, and obviously yardage leads to some touchdown opportunities. Uh, I do think Brady is in a similar spot to Breeze. I think they're just going to pass the ball. We could see 45, 50 pass attempts from Brady. That wouldn't surprise me, um, especially if Sonny Michelle misses this game. It just seems like a spot where the Patriots are going to pass, pass, pass all game. So I'm fine with either. That that price tag on Brady is tough to swallow with him having no mobility um, outside of, you know, moving around in the pocket. So that's a little tough for me at 7,200, but I think he'll have a great game. Anybody else in the quarterback position we didn't talk about? No, we covered everything. I'm glad I remembered Russ just because I do think that that has some upside attorneys that probably sub 3% ownership. Yeah, yeah, nobody's going to play Russ for sure. I do think that it's just a tough matchup given that Chris Harris is going to spend a lot of time on on Doug Baldwin and obviously offensive line concerns against what I think will be a, a rejuvenated pass rush, a very good pass rush with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller for the Broncos. All right, let's move to running back where there are literally like 10 plays that I think are strong. Uh, it's crazy how many strong plays there are at the running back position. Why don't we start with, uh, the cheap guy who I think is going to be the most owned, and that's James Conner. Um, we know Le'Veon Bell is not going to play, hasn't even shown up yet. James Conner uh, thought was really impressive in the preseason, showed pass catching ability, which I thought was important, played about 60 snaps in the preseason, caught six balls uh, on those limited snaps, which I thought was a really good sign uh, for him. The, Patri uh, the Steelers have a history when Le'Veon Bell's mount of riding the backup really hard. They do have Stephen Ridley, on the roster, I do think Stephen Ridley is going to mix in a little bit, but I do expect James Conner uh, to be the main guy. Um, weather con concerns aside, uh, is James Conner a lock even at elevated ownership? James Conner is a lock in cash games. I don't think he's a better play on paper than Carlos Hyde. I honestly think it's 50-50 between the two. And Carlos Hyde, if we can get him at sub-5% ownership and Conner at 40%, then game theory says go with Hyde. Uh, to be clear, I think Connor's going to have a very good game. Um, I'm expecting 15 to 18 points, and if he goes over that, awesome. Um, what I really liked, you brought up his pass-catching ability. What I really liked is how often the Steelers used him at wide receiver uh, in the preseason. I was unimpressed with his route running in the preseason. Uh, when he was lined up at wide receiver, it's kind of more bends than breaks to his routes, but and they showed they're going to scheme the ball to him. They're going to scheme a couple screens to him. He's going to be out there at wide receiver. Um, my thing is, I think we get 20 to 22 touches from Connor with three to five catches, 18 to 20 touches from Hyde with three to five catches. Hyde's a better running back, and Connor's good, but Hyde's a better running back. Hyde has a better matchup. So in tournaments, I think you go Hyde. I will be way underweight on Connor in tournaments. I don't think there is a way to not play Connor in cash games and consider yourself a serious DFS player. Uh, just too much lines up, and ownership will be too high. That If he smashes and you don't have him, it just doesn't make sense to fame in cash. Would you agree with that? Yeah, the only case I can make is that I want to play so many other guys. Let me let me go to these other guys that I want to play at the running back position. I want to play Alvin Kamara. I, I would assume we're on the same page there. Uh, I want to play Melvin Gordon. Uh, I'm a little bit shaky. I'm getting shakier on Christian McCaffrey, but 
my initial thought was to play uh, Christian McCaffrey. I'm getting shakier uh, on Rex Burkhead, but I still think uh, he's in play. I, I think Leonard Fournette is in play. I think David Johnson uh, is in play. So I guess the argument you can make to not play Connor would be there's a lot of other options. But but yeah, my, my initial thought is that uh, Connor is the floor play and, and uh, one of the best salary savers on the slate. Yeah, for me, the big thing is there's a lot to like at running back and less to like at wide receiver. So I want to pay up at wide receiver where I can, and that that value at running back is so vital. Obviously, you mentioned Burkhead. I mentioned Hyde. There's also Alex Collins at 5,600 in a great spot. But, yeah, I want to, I want to get Kamara in cash, and I want to be able to get up to David Johnson in tourneys. And um, I also want to be able to pay up at wide receiver for Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas, AJ Green, some of these guys who have smash potential. So paying down at these running back spots in cash games, I think creates more overall floor, overall ceiling for our teams Uh, in a vacuum, not taking wide receivers into account. I think that Connor's fine to fade in cash, but when we talk about what's available elsewhere, uh, I'll be locking in Connor in cash games and taking him out in most tourneys and then moving on from there. Let's talk about a couple other cheaper plays. We didn't bring up James White, who I think has a pretty good chance to lead the Patriots running backs in snaps played. James White um, can pick up a lot of the slack that will be there when your wide receivers are Chris Hogan, Cordero Patterson, and Philip Dorsett. Uh, Jacob Hollister, the number two tight end, is questionable. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of Rex Rex and James White uh, pass game usage. Um, James White has had some big games before, particularly on full PPR scoring. Uh, I think he's the lowest I would go at running back. How do you feel about James White? And would you go any lower than 4K? Would you go down to Jeremy Hill? Yeah, you know, I, I've in like the last best balls that I did, I started taking Jeremy Hill a little bit. I, I feel pretty good about it, but man, I don't think I can pull the trigger, particularly on DraftKings where his skill set is like so narrow, you know? Yeah, I I could see going Jeremy Hill in a Millie Maker lineup or i should say four or five millimaker lineups just because uh, i mean it makes as much sense as anything else on the patriots um not as much sense but if you're talking compared to ownership and all that james white i like white um the problem for me is how much guesswork it brings in with how much other certainty we have at the low end of the price range like i think the worst game burkhead has is eight or nine points i think the worst game I guess you could say the same thing about White. The worst he has is eight or nine points, right? Uh, touchdown equity is lower. Um, and I think the worst game James Conner has is about 14 points. I think we give him three catches for 30 yards and 75 yards rushing. So that puts him at 13 and a half right there. Um, I'm comfortable with that because I do think he'll be a workhorse. So, yeah, I'm fine with White. Totally, totally fine with that play for me just because there's so much less certainty on him than there is on some of these other guys. Uh, a lot of people are talking about Royce Freeman, the uh, rookie back on the Broncos who has won the starting job. Uh, we know, however, that Devontae Booker is going to play on pass downs. I assume that takes Royce Freeman uh, mostly out of play for you. Yeah, it might be different on a different week, but same thing with James White. There's just a lot more certainty and ways to get low ownership without taking on a low floor. Not that uh, Freeman has a low floor, but we don't know how many catches he's going to have. We don't know if he's going to have you know, 14 carries or 22 carries. So I think he's fine, but he's not a guy that I'm drawn toward myself. Let me throw a tournament play at you at the running back position, who I think is going to be very uh, low owned and it's Kenyon Drake. I think people have seen the uh, reports that Frank Gore may start the game. They've seen, or uh, if they follow closely, they know that the Tennessee, at least last year was far easier to throw against than run against. Um, Kenyon Drake is just a, a talented dude. And I think that, he's going to get 65 to 70% of the running back work ahead of Frank Gore. Uh, obviously he may not. And that's uh, why he would be a GPP play for me. But uh, any thoughts on Kenyon Drake at like 3% owned? I love, love Kenyon Drake in tournaments this week. Uh, I wish the big thing I wish is that Dick LeBeau were still with the Titans. Um, as we know, Dick LeBeau likes to stack the box, which is essentially his way of inviting teams to pass against him Titans faced the fewest or second fewest rush attempts in the NFL last year. Now Dean Pease has taken over, and that's not really his MO. Um, Last year, Dick LeBeau's defense just gave up a ton of catches to running backs, which would have fit Kenyon Drake's skill set perfectly. So 
that introduces some question marks that I'm not totally comfortable with. If not for that, I mean, if this were still the same defense as last year, I would go way overweight on King and Drake in tournaments. I'd consider him in high dollar tournaments. Uh, I'm a little more iffy on his floor given those question marks, but I think he's a great play. I mean, this dude is a good running back. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'd be totally fine taking him. Yeah, you mentioned how many running backs there are to like. I posted my player grid today, which is the pool of players I'll be fishing this week. And I had nine running backs in tier one, which usually it's, you know, one or two or three when I consider price. So just a lot of guys. But yeah, below Drake, we also have Alex Collins, uh, seven and a half point favorite against a, a bad Bills run defense. Um, and then above Drake, there's, you know, we get into all these other guys who have tons of upside, tons of floor as well. Yeah, I want to ask you about a couple of those guys because I, I've had a hard time parsing between Christian McCaffrey and Melvin Gordon. I'm currently leaning uh, towards Melvin Gordon, but I, I like them both a lot, man. And I think Christian McCaffrey's rushing efficiency is certainly going to be concerned, particularly with Sean Lee healthy for Dallas, particularly with the offensive line condition of the Panthers. But if you can give Christian McCaffrey 17 carries, and I think that's a low considering the way they used him in the preseason, and then you also can give him uh, you know, his standard four, five, six catches, which he gets anyways, like that's a really high floor at 6,400 for Christian McCaffrey. So how, how do you parse between McCaffrey and Melvin Gordon? I would take uh, McCaffrey over Melvin Gordon in all formats. And I would take Kareem Hunt over Melvin Gordon in all formats. Um, I am shocked by how little talk there is about Kareem Hunt this week. Uh, he has as good of a matchup as Melvin Gordon. Um if the Chiefs are playing from behind, that helps him on DraftKings with PPR scoring. He absolutely smashed the Chargers in both matchups last year. It's a team that is bad against the run, uh, not because they don't have the personnel, but because they're totally fine giving up yards on the ground between the 20s. So they invite teams to run. We love that. Then they erase wide receivers. So we love that as well. Kareem Hunt is – I mean, I like him quite a bit more than Melvin Gordon without – ownership taken into consideration. With that said, Melvin Gordon's also in my tier one. I mean, he's a guy, I think he has a high floor, a high ceiling. I'm totally fine with the play, but I like Hunt more. McCaffrey, you nailed it with the floor. Seven catches against, uh, you know, that was what he, he averaged over seven targets a game last year, facing a team that was bottom three last year and catches allowed to running backs, or bottom four, catches allowed to running backs, receiving yards allowed to running backs. The floor is so high there. You know me, I have concerns about McCaffrey's ability to run between the tackles, that offensive line's a mess, and I have concerns about McCaffrey's ceiling. So um, I thought he'd be shaping up for higher ownership than he is. I planned to consider him in cash and fade in tourneys, but uh, I think he's viable in both spots. Uh, you think he stays under 10% owned this week? You're talking about McCaffrey? Yeah, McCaffrey. No, I think he'll be over that. I mean, there's so many running backs now, it's getting flattened out, but I do think McCaffrey will be over that. The preseason hype was just too much. You know, he was going in like the late first round of season long by the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That was my thought coming in. Uh, in that case, I'd be fading him in tourneys, but I think he's a great play in cash. And I'm still toying with whether or not to go with Kareem Hunt in cash. It's not necessary um, from a game theory perspective, but – my best ROI comes when I just play who I think are the best plays. So right now I'm still leaning Kareem Hunt in cash games as well. Uh, I My concern on Kareem Hunt, and tell me if this concerns you, is we saw him come off the field a lot last year in passing situations, two-minute, uh, third downs. Uh, does that concern you? It does, but uh, Andy Reid has talked about changing that this year. Obviously, Kareem Hunt's biggest usage spikes came when Matt Nagy was calling the plays. Matt Nagy's gone now. So I have some concerns on that, but it just doesn't make sense in this spot. Uh, if we look at the matchup, it's like um, this is an extreme example, but Jonas Gray weekend against the Colts, where if you looked at the matchup, it just didn't make sense for the Patriots to do anything but feed the ball between the tackles to Jonas Gray, who what hadn't had more than eight carries in a game before that. Kareem Hunt, it just doesn't make sense to attack in any way, but with Kareem Hunt against a team that erases wide receivers, um, I think the touch floor is a lot higher in this spot than it will be in other spots this season. A uh, couple more guys here at the top end to talk about. I, I think Leonard Fournette is not being talked about enough as a tournament play. Um, we saw his pass game usage spike in the preseason, got some third down reps, 
uh, caught five balls uh, on his limited snaps. Uh, this Giants defense, I think, will continue to struggle against the run just from a personnel uh, basis. They just don't have the players. Leonard Fournette is healthy. Leonard Fournette is slimmed down. I believe he's down to like 220 after coming into 240 last year, which I always like. Uh, running back position. And most importantly, that ankle is healthy uh, for Leonard Fournette. Um, nobody's talking about them, even though he's 7,100. And I mean, Leonard Fournette's like a stone lock for 20 carries and all the and all the goal line work and all the red zone work. Um, why is no one talking about Leonard Fournette? Uh, because people are dunces. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I gave you a shout out in the uh, NFL Edge for your uh, stat work on Fournette's third down work in preseason. Um, his 535-0 on five targets. Yeah, I think Fournette's great. For me, I came into the week with Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette kind of locked into my main roster. And then I started realizing how much I wanted to get up to Kamara, how much I wanted Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown and AJ Green. That makes it a little tougher. You can't pay up for all of them. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a, an idea of how I'm valuing Fournette is coming into the week, that was kind of where I was looking at running back, was just locking in those two, locking in a cheap guy and moving on from there. Uh, I think he's a great play this week. Uh, the ownership gap between Alvin Kamara and David Johnson, I expect to be reasonably high. Um, is there any part of you that wants to pivot to David Johnson off of Alvin Kamara at the top end? They're separated by $300. Yeah. I mean, what? If we if we said who's going to get more carries, who's going to get more targets, who has a better matchup, who's a better player, it's a toss-up on, on all of those between those two guys. People forget how dominant David Johnson was and what, what are they scared of wrist injury? I mean, it's not like, it's not like this dude has been uh, sitting in a wheelchair for the last year. So I love that call in tournaments. It, um, for some reason it feels scary to fade Kamara in tournaments, but it is what it is. I mean, they're going to get equal touches, equal targets. That matchup against Washington is tremendous. And when you look at what else the Cardinals have to work with, who are they going to give the ball to? Uh, they've got Fitzgerald and, and David Johnson, and maybe they mix in Ricky Seals-Jones. So, yeah, I mean, I think that you lock in so many points with David Johnson. Uh, I did mess around with a roster that has both of them. I think that's a cool way to go to expose yourself to multiple 30-plus point games. It goes back to the old Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson setup. So I think you could do that as well. But um, it's hard for me to see Kamara failing. It's hard for me to see him falling shy of 20 points, but him goes for David Johnson. So um, I don't know. What do you think about cash? Not even necessary, right? Just stick with – it's not like one is a better play than the other. Yeah. Um, I think that I'm going to end up with Kamara, and maybe it's just as a block more than anything. Like in cash, it's going to be like – Kamara's going to be like 70%. And David Johnson is going to be like 10. You know what I mean? Like, um, sorry, goes 35 and David Johnson goes 28. Yeah. That's seven points you got to make up elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, David Johnson could outscore him. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the Saints also project to score the most points on the entire slate. Wow. Ooh. Jerry likes Kamar. Uh, the Saints also project to score the most points on the entire slate. And I think that the Cardinals project to score. Uh, significantly less, right? So, like from an overall game environment perspective, you could argue that Kamara is in better spot too. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, All right. Any other running backs we didn't touch on? We didn't mention Dalvin Cook. We didn't mention Joe Mixon. I think we touched on everybody else. Yeah, uh, Dalvin Cook is is obviously workload concerns, uh, touchdown concerns, but huge upside um, tournament play. So yeah, I'm good to move on to wide receiver. All right, you already teased it at the outset. Keelan Cole, I, I think, is going to be one of the most popular players on the entire slate. I have my concerns about Keelan Cole as well. Um, I'll let you go first with your concerns. Um, not really concerned so much as uh, overhyped. Like, there's no lock that he gets. more high Marquise Lee. It's an easy play to make. And so people are making it. Um, I think we lost it there. So see if we can get Adam back in. 
Um, or did we lose me? Uh, I'm going to keep talking in case we still have. Uh, going for is at the low end of the price range is Cortland Sutton. You're frozen if you can hear. Uh, Cortland Sutton is going to absolutely reeve souls this year for the Denver Broncos. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge fan of Cortland Sutton going against the makeshift Seattle secondary. Okay, uh, I'm a huge fan of Cortland Sutton going into the makeshift Seattle secondary. Um, he is probably in line for five to eight targets this week. And Keelan Cole is probably in line for six to eight targets. There's nobody else to throw to on the Denver Broncos. It's Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton. And Cortland Sutton will be lining up most of the time against who is it? Dante Johnson, who's a burn victim for the 49ers. Uh, not really a starting caliber quarterback. Um Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders said it, I think he said it today, he expects Cortland Sutton to win Rookie of the Year this week, this year, score 10 touchdowns. I mean, this dude is really good. Um, so if I'm looking at, at floor, I think it's the same as Keelan Cole. If I'm looking at ceiling, uh, I think Sutton has a much higher chance of hitting a monster ceiling. Uh, Devontae Booker's not hugely involved in the pass game, no tight ends to throw to. So there you go. That's it. Uh, Cortland Sutton is my dude this week. Literally, he's going to be on – 95% of my rosters. Hmm. Hmm. I think Corlin Sutton's a baller, man. I think you can make a good case. He's the best wide receiver in the draft. Uh, we did see the Broncos use a lot of three wide sets in the preseason, which pushed Emmanuel Sanders uh, into the slot. The thing for me is I, I want to play Emmanuel Sanders. I don't, I'm obviously not playing both Emmanuel Sanders and Corlin Sutton. Uh, do you have a problem with Emmanuel Sanders at 5k? No, I like Emmanuel Sanders quite a bit. Uh, there's a lot of data points to like um, between where Keenum likes to throw the ball and Emmanuel Sanders being healthy, Emmanuel Sanders matchup. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. I've, I've a few times tried putting both of them on a team together. It doesn't feel comfortable. Um, but just talking about value, Manny Sanders is huge value at 5K. Cortland Sutton is 3,600. Uh, it opens up so much. If you go Cortland Sutton and one of these cheap running backs and Ryan Griffin at tight end, there's so much that you can do on the rest of your roster. Um, so, yeah, Cortland Sutton's going in my cash game roster. He will go on my high-dollar tournament rosters. He'll go on 95% of my Millie Maker rosters. You Cortland realize – I just want to make it clear here. You realize that Cortland Sutton's going to be like 0.5% owned in cash. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> how many times did i played duke johnson last year i'm i'm good taking Cortland sutton in cash okay let's talk about some other uh um, we can end the show there if you want no i mean just drop the mic right there with Cortland sutton in cash uh if he scores like three points i'm gonna get so much hate but you're aware that people, you're aware that people are paying for this now right I'm aware that people are going to play Cortland Sutton, honestly. I mean, nobody's going to – who else is going to play Cortland Sutton? <laughs> I do think he's he's actually uh, legit good. I obviously am not going to use him in cash this week, but I do think he's he's hashtag good, and I do think he'll have a role. Uh, but we'll see. There's some other guys down there that I like too, though. Um, I like John Ross. I like John Brown a little bit, although the matchup is obviously difficult. Then if you go up a little bit more, you get to the Kenny Stills, Manny Sanders range. Uh, which I like a lot. Do any of those guys stick out to you? We already talked about Sanders. Does any of the John Brown, John Ross, Kenny Stills tier stand out for you? Yeah, I like Ross in tourneys, obviously much lower floor. I think he'll have, what, 45%, 50% catch rate this year, but he'll have some huge games. Um, I really like the idea. I said it before the line started going up, so it might get a little more traction that the line's been moving that direction, but I really like the idea of just a, a Bengals-Colts game stack this mm -hmm. week. And throw John Ross in there with AJ Green, with Andy Dalton, with Jack Doyle, and just kind of load up. Um, and Kenny Stills, fine. I don't love Tannehill with Stills. That's a concern. I do love Amendola this week as a floor play, as a cash game play. Uh, he's healthy. He's not going to grab nearly as much ownership as he should. But um, at 4,200, I think he's a, a very strong floor play in cash. If I go two high-priced running backs instead of two high-priced wide receivers, I'll have Sutton and Amendola in cash games. Oh, daddy. Sutton, Sutton and Amendola in week one. Here we go. All right, let's move up the pricing a little bit um, into the 6K range. And 
A uh, guy that's kind of, I thought was going to be really highly owned, but not as many people are talking about him now is Chris Hogan uh, at 6,100. I think him and, and Steph Diggs both have chances for really big games at, at the low 6K range. We know Steph Diggs is healthy. Uh, we know he'll see a lot of Richard Sherman, who uh, I don't have a lot of respect for anymore uh, in Richard Sherman. Um, what do you think about the Hogan Diggs uh, kind of T.Y. Hilton tier in the 6K range there? Yeah, I have Hogan as one of my five wide receivers in tier one as far as those are guys I feel comfortable playing in in single entry tourneys, cash games, high dollar tourneys. Um, and Diggs is on my tier three, which is just like I'm a little concerned about his floor, but he has, you know, weak winning upside. So that's kind of where I put the two of them is Diggs as just as much upside as Hogan, but a little more concerning floor just with volume, the way the Vikings like to play on offense. Um we could say the same thing though that we said about that I said about Sutton, and that's just there's so few guys to throw to. We do know the targets are going to go to Diggs to some extent. Healthy right now, um, yeah. There's like ten wide receivers I like this week, and Diggs is one of them. So uh, I'm fine with either of those. I think Hogan's going to be getting. Look, I don't think he's getting 12, 13 targets these first four weeks, but uh, I think he averages eight and a half targets a game these first four weeks. So if he gets eight or nine looks against a burnable secondary, good red zone work. Um, I think he's great in cash and tourneys. I'd say Diggs for tourneys and T.Y. Hilton for large field tourneys. Um, but I do think he'll smash. Do you have any thoughts on, uh, I don't know if you've thought about this much, the change in defensive coordinator on the Bengals? Because Paul Gunther, everything about him was like risk averse. It was keep the ball in front, prevent deep passes, didn't really rush the passer a ton. And Terrell Austin was super aggressive with the yeah. Lions. Uh, liked to come after the quarterback, force deep throws. If they switch over to this Terrell Austin defense, that's a great setup for T.Y. Hilton. I mean, some man coverage on deep balls, if luck can get the ball there. Um, I don't know. Have you thought about that at all? Yeah, well, one thing I've thought about is this Bengals defensive line is super talented, and you're crazy not to let them kind of pin their ears back and rush the passer. And I also think that the corner play is pretty strong for the Bengals too. So, so yeah, I, I, the Bengals actually, we'll get to it later, but Bengals defense is one of my favorite kind of uh, contrarian defenses to play. And, and yeah, I don't have much confidence in this um, Colts offensive line at all, especially with Anthony Costanzo questionable. So, so yeah, I think the Bengals defense is going to wreak havoc a little bit. Um, I'm not sure how much success Andrew Luck is going to have. I, I would not be playing, will not be playing any Andrew Luck. But, uh, but yeah, you know, T.Y. Hilton's like another guy like Cam Newton, you know. Um, when he's home, I think he's always in play for GPPs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, we didn't mention Adam Thielen. Uh, I think everybody's going to play Diggs over Thielen just because Diggs is 600 cheaper and uh, people think or they know or maybe whatever they think Diggs is more talented. But uh, Thielen could be a contrarian play, but only 400 more from Thielen to get to A.J. Green. So, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to play Adam Thielen when A.J. Green is only 400 more, right? Yeah, I've been uh, incapable of predicting good games from Thielen. Mm -hmm. So um, I got Echo, I think, coming on your end. Um, I've got, I've been really bad at predicting good games from Thielen. So I just kind of stay off of him, but, um, I think he's in, I mean, he's in a good spot. The 40, I don't have a lot of faith in the 49ers secondary, uh, as you alluded to earlier. So, um, I'm good going there, but yeah, AJ green, like you said, um, is just such a great play for just 400 more. I can't bring myself to play AJ green in cash just because, the targets don't come in as reliably as they do for Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown at that price. But um, I think AJ Green's in a smash spot in tourneys, and I don't think he's going to be more than, what, 7%, 8% owned. Does that sound about right? Um, Bengals are starting to get really popular. I'm concerned. Uh, I'm concerned that's rising. But, yeah, I, I do think that there's like he's only 200 less than Keenan Allen, and as we alluded to earlier, Keenan Allen's going to be uh, pretty popular. We already mentioned. Go back to the quarterback section if you want to hear more takes on Keenan Allen. Um, one guy at the top end that we haven't talked about yet is DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he's 8,300, 500 more than Michael Thomas, 300 less than Antonio Brown. Uh, do you want any exposure to DeAndre Hopkins? I already mentioned Will Fuller uh, is questionable for this game. If Will Fuller is out, I think that actually hurts DeAndre Hopkins just because that's the only thing the Patriots have to focus on on defense. Um it's probably pretty well known by this point in the week. DeAndre Hopkins last five games against Bill Belichick, no touchdowns, no hundred yard games. Um, everything's going to be tilted that direction. I think he fits in a game stack. That's obviously a great game to just load up on. 
And if that game blows up, there you go. You win the Millie maker. But um, outside of that, that's not a guy I am going out of my way to target. Uh I know we said we weren't going to talk about the weather, but I think we do have to make a special consideration here. Let's say it's raining and there's 20 mile an hour winds. Uh, are you playing Antonio Brown at 8,600? Are you playing him at 8,600 in that no. case? No, I don't know. No, no I'm not. I know. Right now I, I have him. He's like locked in for me in everything. But yeah, it's probably not worth the risk of that prize. I think it turned out. Um, but I'll have to think about that some more tomorrow on a site if weather still looks bad. That's really a tough call for me. I mean, Cleveland forces short passes. Greg Williams just loves giving up yards, and Cleveland's one of the worst in the league at preventing yards after the catch. Antonio Brown's one of the best. There's so much to like about this spot. 20-mile-an-hour winds isn't going to affect these short six, seven, eight-yard passes, so – uh, I think the slick field would actually concern me a little bit more from a yards after catch perspective. Um, so I'm still kind of tossing and turning with that one. I'd love to have him and Mike Thomas uh, on my main roster together, but um, might not be worth the risk. All right. Any wide receivers we didn't touch on that you still want to hit? Wide receivers so thin this week. No, I am good to move on from there. All right. At the tight end position, I think, and I, I could be wrong, but I think the ownership is going to get sucked up by three guys, Jack Doyle, Jordan Reed, and Rob Gronkowski. Um, do you have a strong preference among those three? And you already mentioned Ryan Griffin, so I assume you're going uh, full YOLO off the board here, but among the three popular plays, do you have a, a preference? You know, when I looked at this slate like a month ago, the first thing I thought of was you when I saw Jordan Reed. Yeah. That's how long we've been doing this show together because Jordan Reed was still actually playing games. Um, I prefer, if we're talking about price, I prefer Doyle. And I was kind of off him earlier in the week just because I do think the Colts will run a lot of 12 personnel with Doyle and Ebron on the field and kind of felt like it might be unpredictable who gets the targets. But realistically, looking at things more, it just doesn't make sense for Doyle to not get seven, eight, nine targets against a defense that takes away wide receivers. Andrew Luck's not being able to throw deep right now. The Colts have no one else to pass to. So I think that when we look at point per dollar, Doyle's just the best bet on the slate at tight end, really. Um, Gronk is obviously the the dude who can go 25 to 30 points. So if you can get up to him, I love it. Um, and then I'll, I'll go to Griffin, too. Um, last year, Griffin and Steven Anderson combined for seven targets, went 675-0, maybe 675-1 against the Patriots. Steven Anderson was cut. Jordan Akins is a rookie, uh, probably won't get a ton of snaps in week one. Ryan Griffin is healthy, which is unusual, good athlete, 2,800 on DraftKings, and the Patriots will be looking to take away DeAndre Hopkins. So a lot of things make sense for Griffin just seeing – a good amount of work in the middle of the field, soaking up a lot of targets. If we expect the Patriots to throw the ball 40-plus times and put up points, we should expect Griffin to get anywhere from five to eight targets realistically. Uh, I think he's fine in cash games, obviously. Only 800 more to get to Doyle, um, but I like Griffin quite a bit this week. Uh, have you considered in that low-range other guys such as Ricky Seals-Jones, such as uh, David and Joku, um, I would say superior athletes to Ryan Griffin. Um, and I'm not probably as sold as you are in Ryan Griffin's role, but I would say that Ricky Seals Jones is going to play uh, a lot, assuming Jermaine Gresham is out. They listed Jermaine Gresham, Gresham question, but I, I don't think Jermaine Gresham is going to play. Uh, same with uh, Cleveland Seth the Valve, I believe is questionable, but I'll have to check that. Um, but either way, I think Ricky Seals Jones and David and Joku have, uh, Similar upside to what you're talking about with Ryan Griffin uh, here. Yeah, you and I are both big Ricky Seals-Jones truthers, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, great athlete, wide receiver in college. Um, new coaching staff should get him involved. Nobody else to pass to. There's a lot of uncertainty just because, um, or I guess it feels uncertain because of how little Ricky Seals-Jones was used last year. I should say how underutilized he was, but uh, yeah, realistically, good spot for him. And I had him in cash on one team I messed around with and felt okay about it. 
uh, lots of upside in tournaments. The uh, Injoku, obviously, with Shazier no longer in the Steelers linebacking core, it, it makes it a better matchup. I'm still a little concerned about the matchup for Njoku. So uh, talent and uh, extreme upside puts him in play in tournaments, but I think the floor is lower for him than on the other guys. Uh I guess the thing for me on Doyle versus Reed, which I think is a big decision for a lot of people, um, they say Jordan Reed is healthy. He's not on injury report, but I feel like they still want to treat him somewhat cautiously, and that could still mean he'll play on every pass down snap. He'll play in all the red zone, which is perfectly fine for us, uh, but maybe he won't play as many snaps as uh, Jack Doyle will. So I'm currently leaning towards, towards Doyle. I do think Reed is fine. Um, the only other guy on my list, I don't really like it, but the only other guy on my list here at tight end is Kyle Rudolph. I uh, don't think I'll end up there very much, if at all, even in tournaments. But uh, anybody else, Rudolph or anybody else at tight end? Yeah, Delaney Walker. Oh, the, my, uh, I can't believe I didn't say Delaney Walker. I love Delaney Walker. How did I forget yeah, that? The Dolphins gave up 999 pass yards to the tight end last year. Yeah. Um, I think it's like five receivers have topped 1,000. Five tight ends have topped a thousand yards in a season over the last four years. Um, so, I mean, that's how bad the Dolphins were. Yeah. It's like they made the average tight end look like a pro bowler and yep. we know how much Delaney Walker's involved. It's a weird price tag at 4,900. I think we will get lower ownership on him because of that price tag and um, tons of upside. It just feels weird if you're paying up a tight end to not go up to Gronk, you know, once you yeah. get above that 4k mark, it's like, why am I not going up higher? Uh, but yeah, I think Delaney is a great play this week. Uh, one of my favorite tight ends on the week. Right now in, in tier one, I've got Gronk, Ryan Griffin, Delaney Walker, and Jack Doyle. So those are my those are my guys I really have things narrowed down to. Yeah, I think people are mistakenly going to think that the best possible matchup for a tight end is the Giants or whatever, where I, I think the Dolphins are actually, and obviously the Browns, but the Dolphins and the Browns, I would say, are two of the best possible matchups. Uh, for tight ends right now. Uh, anything else on tight end or shall we go to the defenses? Let's talk about defenses. Let's see how we can move off the Ravens in tournaments. Yeah, I actually like a lot. Um, I mentioned how much I like the Bengals. I mean, this defensive line is nasty and the Colts offensive line is, is bad, man. Um, and Andrew Luck, I, I think, uh, is just asking for interceptions. I mean, he's just, even like when we last saw Andrew Luck, I was concerned about him. Um, anyway, so yeah, I think that there'll be a lot of uh, plays to be made for the Bengals defense here. I, I really like that one. Um, before this Joey Bosa injury, I really like the Chargers defense. The Joey Bosa not playing really stings. Uh, they still have a very talented defense, Melvin Ingram, uh, Casey Hayward, Trevor Williams, uh, all the safety plays really strong. I stand, I think Mahomes is going to make a lot of mistakes this year. So uh, I still like that. I like the Broncos. Um against that Seattle offensive line. Um, and then you could also talk me into some of the expensive ones too, the Saints, the Jaguars. Uh, I'll throw in the Panthers as maybe a sleeper, even though I don't usually like to use defenses against a slow team that runs a lot like Dallas. But I don't know, man. I think there's more to chew on on, on defense than maybe uh, other people do. I like a lot of them. Yeah, on the other side of the Panthers matchup, I also have the Cowboys at 2,300. Uh, we're always looking to save salary and go off the board. Cowboys have a good pass rush. The Panthers have a bad offensive line. Um, obviously, it's a low floor play, but for 2300 I think it's a good way to uh, take a shot in tournaments as well. Uh, I'm on the same ones that you listed. I think the Jaguars are an interesting pivot for just 100 less on the Ravens. Like, look, on paper, the Ravens have the best everything this week. Um, so I think with how good value is, it just makes sense to pay up for the Ravens in cash games. Uh, that's how I'm looking at things. But in tournaments, it makes sense to pivot just because DST is such a volatile position. I got Vikings, Saints, Bengals, Chargers, Cowboys, and Panthers. And um, again, like you said with the Chargers, Bosa being out kind of puts a dent in that one. That was my favorite tourney uh, setup. But uh, Mahomes is a gunslinger. He's going to throw interceptions this year. He's going to take some sacks. So I think it's fine to go there. And Bengals was one I listed early in the week. And then as I've been building rosters, really haven't put them in. Um, so that's a team I want to get back to playing around with and seeing if they fit uh, in some of these high dollar tournaments where um, we can kind of get away from Ravens ownership because uh, I do think they really like appropriately priced for them would be more like 3,500. Uh, so we save some money there. 
Yeah. Um, I think actually, and you're not going to like this, but I think that a popular one in cash is going to be the Patriots because you save a lot of money down at 2,400 and Texans have one of the league's worst offensive lines. Deshaun Watson is certainly mistake prone in terms of interceptions. He likes to run around and extend plays, which in theory could lead to sacks. We know that the Patriots typically uh, do not rush the passer that hard, which is why we normally don't play the Patriots defense, but they're 2,400. You mentioned Cowboys at 2,300. I mean, for a hundred more, you can get to uh, the Patriots. Any interest at all there? I honestly haven't thought about them. I kind of crossed them off the list immediately, mostly because as, as you said, rested defense and we want aggressiveness, but um, I'd be fine with that play. Um, I don't want to speak too heavily to thoughts there since literally not one I was considering. I do think that the Cowboys are interesting right below them and no one will be on them. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could see the Patriots for the, the reasons you mentioned. Uh, we don't normally talk about FanDuel on here, but I have to mention that the Browns are like 1,500 less than every other defense on FanDuel. Um, and that dad, Browns actually have some talented players. Like Miles Garrett is like hashtag very good. Um, can you see the Browns as a total punt play? uh on Fandle. oh yeah i mean with the weather you kidding yeah um i can see that for sure can you imagine this defense if greg williams were not the defensive coordinator yeah like this could be like a legit good defense um with the pieces they have yeah i'm good with that one um the weather could you know bring either of those teams into play i'm not typically uh on a, a pick on tyrod taylor train just because he does a great job limiting mistakes but uh, weather, weather for sure could bring both those defenses into play. Yeah, one concern is if you if the weather is really as bad as some people are saying, and I don't think it will be, but uh, teams could go extremely run heavy, and that's obviously not good for uh, defenses. We want sacks, we want pick sixes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all right, we've said it all, JM. The way tell the people uh, where they can go to get extended version of this because we've really just touched on a lot of guys, but JM has dedicated his. Wait, we got sacks. The oh. People want their stacks. You always say that. I know. Adam, I, I, I didn't even. I didn't even write any down. I forgot about the stack segment. The people are just going to fast forward to the end, and I don't even have anything to say. All right, go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll ahead. give one. I'm going to give a game stack. Um, I like the idea of creating a roster that tells the story of the Titans just absolutely smashing the Dolphins. So putting together a game stack that has Derrick Henry, Kenny Stills. Danny Amendola, Delaney Walker, um, and just expecting the Titans to smash. Not necessarily what I expect to happen, but I don't think anyone will be on it, and it's certainly a possibility um, for big wins. So that's my stack. People who fast-forwarded to that, you got it. Um, and then, yeah, for uh, if you're watching this, I encourage you to check out OneWeekSeason.com. It is genuinely an awesome product. I'm very proud of it. Um, we've got ownership projections. We have my player grid each week. Uh, we have like a 25,000 word article that breaks down every game from top to bottom place for you to make notes on each game. So you can organize your thoughts all week. Um, as Adam said at the top of the show, it's 39 bucks for 12 months. Uh, we had Evan Silva doing preseason, uh, this year, Adam and I will have the square table pod for subscribers only every other week. So even numbered weeks will be subscribers only. So again, for 39 bucks, um, you basically get what you would get for 39 bucks a month in some other spots. So uh, I want to encourage you to check it out. I underpriced it. The price is going up uh, when week two kicks off. So get in there while you can. Lock that in. You get to renew at that price for life. Also, 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you hate it, uh, no risk. Um, Adam, anything else you want to say to the people? Yeah, the Bernie Sanders of of DFS college for free for everybody and, and free healthcare and $39 for, uh, for DFS for life. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the stack that I talked about in my article today, even though apparently it's too popular now, everybody's telling me it's too popular now, but it's Andy Dalton, AJ green, uh, and some combo of, of John, uh, of John Ross. And I wouldn't even mind throwing, um, mixing and matching in there. Eifert and some other guys that we didn't talk about as kind of, really low owned played for million maker type stuff. I just think that the Bengals are going to play really, really well here and, and score and kind of hang a big number on the Colts. Um, so yeah, that's going to be my stack, which I hope is not going to be 
too chalky. But yes, as JM said, go to oneweekseason.com to get further extended thoughts from him on everything we talked about tonight. So for Jerry, for JM, I am Adam. JM's cat. JM's cat with the needles and the acupuncture. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.